0: Hey everyone, happy Miracle Monday. You say, why do I call it Miracle Monday? I don't know. I was in bed this morning and when I felt the Lord woke me up this morning and that phrase was in my heart, Miracle Monday. And I was like, huh, Miracle Monday. Okay. And and maybe it's just to say that this is a week of miracles and it's just beginning at Monday. And so um, I love that. So I just Give you that salutation. Happy Miracle Monday. Take it and run with it. Let God, who is the one that is the miracle worker, the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, do what only he can do best. And I just pray that we would yield and allow him to have his perfect work. That in the end of it all, we won't be lacking anything because God knows all. He knows how to cover, cross every T and dot every I. And at the end, we would just truly be satisfied because we are in his heart and he loves his children. He's such a good father. So as we begin today, I just wanted to talk to you today about a story in the Bible. It's a pretty interesting story. It's in the book of Philemon. And Philemon is like one of the smallest books in the Bible, it is located in the New Testament. It's one of Paul's epistles that he has written while he was in prison. And it's a story that, you know, that I've read Philemon several times and never saw this. But today it's so beautiful. And I think it's it's just a tale of how we shift, how our lives are changing. And we're constantly being regenerated. We're constantly evolving and becoming the person that God has made us to be. And I believe the the goal is what the scripture says is that we would be conformed to the image of his son. And so you can have read something maybe twenty years ago. You may could have read something fifteen years ago. And but Each time you read it, it's going to be different. You're going to see something different because there is something that's happening in you. You are being regenerated. Even the way you see life is being regenerated. I love that Paul prayed this prayer. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you would know what is the hope of our Lord and Savior's calling in everything, that you would view things from the eyes of hope. And that's a prayer that continues I continue to pray over myself because I believe that we're moving as the scripture says, from glory to glory and from faith to faith. So I believe that we're getting better. The world is preparing to die, you know, as it, as them that are unbelievers, you know, you look, you know, you go to school, you, you get a career, you know, you get married and then, then you finally retire and then you die. But we as believers, we have this blessed hope that we're being prepared to live forever. So we're getting better and the glory that is, that is ever increasing is just this progressing glory. And I believe the culmination of that glory is Jesus. Cause he is the glorious one. He's the one that gave us the glory in the first place. He gave us the glory that the father had given him. And so this faith is a progressing faith. This kingdom that we are a part of, that we're fellow citizens in, this kingdom that, that has, um, left its mark upon us, that God has placed his name, that we are a part. We're joint heirs of Christ, we're sons of God, and we are ambassadors, as Paul says. We are ambassadors of this kingdom to be the expression, to be the extension of this kingdom that one day the earth would be filled with the knowledge of God's glory. That's our mandate, to take what was given and turn this world upside down for Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. And so as we are changing, as we're being regenerated, as we are yielding, because it isn't just a one yes, it's a constant yes. And I love this story that we're going to get into because it is a story about redemption, about God redeeming things. The Bible says in the Old Testament and Psalms, it says, let the redeem of the Lord say so, who has been snatched from the hand of the enemy. The redeemed can shout, the the redeemed can praise, the the redeemed can dance, the the redeemed of the Lord can celebrate. Why? Because they've been snatched from the kingdom of darkness. God came in at the darkest moment and has saved them. And here's the beauty of this, this one who is the redeemer, because redeemer is a person and his name is Jesus. And so if we understand that God in him God and his word are the same. Then if God himself is eternal, then his word is eternal. So we shouldn't look for us to be redeemed once and then that's it. The re- that redeeming uh factor is happening throughout our lives. God it's echoing throughout our lives like the finished work of the cross that has happened some 2000 years ago, it is still unfolding. It is still unfolding. It is still Happening, we're actually still beholding the glory of what Jesus did. The finished work is being made finished in every aspect of our lives. I love that. I love that. I love that. It's so beautiful. At the point, of, it's like the point of salvation. When you get saved, you know that you met Jesus because there's some things that happen that give you a sign, that give you a sense. Oh man, I I know I've met Him. But now you're on the journey of the process of being saved. So salvation is in two parts, the initial and then the process. But it's progressing towards what? Being conformed to the image of Christ. So this story of redemption, of just God redeeming. God loves to redeem relationships. He loves to restore relationships. He loves to. He is a redeemer. That's just who he is. He loves to redeem things. He loves to bring things back in true fellowship again. He loves to fix those bridges. He loves to take those loose ends and smooth them out. That's just what he does. And so as we get into the story, and this story is dear to me because I have I have been, you know, I think both people, and had to learn <laughs> how to partner with the Lord from both perspectives. And so this book of Philemon is about a runaway slave who was a slave to uh, this gentleman called Philemon, who is now a believer. And I believe they were un- they were unsaved at one point, And both of these gentlemen got saved in God's ministry or got yeah, God's ministry, the ministry that Paul held. He got sa- they both got saved, but they both got saved at different times. Philemon got saved first but still this I think this slave was still his slave. And at some point the slave runs away and encounters Paul and becomes one of Paul's spiritual children where Paul pours into him. And I love this. It's so beautiful because how many times have we been in a space where we've been Philemon, where we've gotten saved and We met Jesus and and it's so good. And and now we're walking on that path. And now the Bible says that Philemon was running for Jesus so fervently for the kingdom that he was known for his love and for his faith. Paul admonishes him and says, "I, I, I, I think about you all the time of what I'm hearing about the love and the faith that you have and how it is effective and it is powerful. And the reason why it's effective and powerful because he wasn't just one that gave people lip service. He truly had faith and works to back it up. So people were seeing the evidence, the fruit in a person's life. And I tell you, the Bible tells us to, you know, no, you know them by the fruit, you know, that they bear, you know. So, and, 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 and what that says is that if that tree, if somebody, showed me a tree, and that tree just had leaves on it. But they said, hey, that tree is an apple tree. Really? Okay, so at the right season, at the right time, this tree should bring forth apples. And it, so it should be the evidence of what's being said about this. So your faith in what you believe in, people should be able to see the works and say, man, you truly are saved. There's something different about you. I remember when I got saved, I didn't have a great reputation. I partied, chased girls. You know, I just, I I did, I did things because I was in search of something and I thought the world had the answer. And it didn't. I found out in, in a lot of hard ways, bumping my head a few times, that the world didn't have the answer. That the only one that has the answer was the one I was running from. And I remember when I finally got saved and now running for Jesus fervently, um, a lot of people didn't believe. A lot of people didn't believe. There were people that were waiting to for me to fail. They were, you know, not, oh, I don't know. You know, we know him. And I get it. And I'm not bitter by it. I'm not offended by it. I understand. Because sometimes when you've seen a person cry wolf, or just always seem to be repenting or just, you know, but never really truly sorry. They're just sorry because they got caught or they're sorry that the situation they were in went bad, but then they go right back to it. Eventually people lose hope. People, your credibility with people, you know, go south and people just kind of look at you like, yeah, I don't know. I can't put no stock in you because I don't know whether you truly are real. Because if I believed you, before and you've burned me, I don't want to get burned again. That was this gentleman who was the slave to Philemon. His name was Onesimus. Now, here's the interesting thing about Onesimus. Was Onesimus' name meant useful. And so, right now, this gentleman didn't appear to be useful to no one. He he seemed to be just Useless, as Paul says here in uh, Philemon 1 and 11, he says once he was useless to you, but now he indeed is useful to you as well as to me. So Paul says now because he has found Christ, because there is a shift, because this man surrendered and gave his life to Jesus, that which was useless has now become useful. And I love that that. Here comes Jesus, and now, because he encounters Jesus, this man really comes into the full scope of his name. We see in times past in the Old Testament where people, when they encountered God, there was a name change. There was a shift in their name after being in relationship, Abraham being the first. His name was Abram. But after walking with God for some time, the Lord begins to say, Abram, your name is going to be Abraham. This is what I call you because this is who you truly are. You are a father of many nations. Even his wife, Sarah experienced the name change and her name was Sarah. And I love how, uh, Abraham and Sarah, that, that H in a, this is just a gold nugget just to share with you the H, the letter H, um, in Hebrew language, if I'm uh, pronouncing it or saying it right, they call it the breath of God. So, When you say, or when God said Abram's name and gave him a new name, he said, Abraham or Sarah. And that breath of God breathed the breath of life. And I believe that was the thing that brought change in their life and caused their dead bodies that were no longer able to conceive and, and let the strength of God brought healing. And now their bodies were able to conceive like young people. I love that, just how there's, Fruit from what God does in our life, we see Jacob who tra- travailed with God, and God now says that, "Hey, what is your name? My name is Jacob." Well, his name Jacob was meant surplanter, trickster, and that's just what he did. He was a trickster. He was one who would lie in a minute and and do funny, you know, do some some unethical things. But now he's met God and on this road and he's walked some time with the Lord and he's like, God, I truly don't want to be named according to what has been named upon me in the natural. I want, I want a new name. I want a new nature. I want a new way. And so God, after he wrestles with the Lord because he says, God, I want to be different. The Lord calls him Israel, a prince that has prevailed with God and man. So we see that in the old Testament. We see that in the new Testament where Jesus asks and says, who does men say that who I am? And, and, you know, people say they had many opinions about Jesus, but then Jesus says to his disciples, whom do you say that I am? And all of them were silent. Then all of a sudden the spirit of God speaks to Peter and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, flesh and blood did not tell you that Peter, but my father in heaven did. He says, but now son of, son of Jonah, you are no longer shall be called Simon. Your name is Peter, the rock. And he said, upon this rock, you're going to build this church. And here's the beauty of that. Here is the rock, (laughs) the rock of our salvation, calling Peter a rock, a stone or a chip off the old block. And he's saying, son, you're going to continue. You're going to do the very thing that I am to the gospel. Now you're going to be that. And, and and, And that's who we are today. We are rocks. just like like Jesus is. We are the rock of salvation. And some people say, well, what do you mean by that? Jesus is only rock. No, because we are ones that have accepted him and now we carry that same concrete, solidified uh, gospel that is the good news. And God sends us out and we are Jesus' hands and feet. So when people wanna see Jesus or they're crying to, to hear from God, the Lord will send us. So I just want to share that with you, that as we are looking at this guy here, Onesimus, who was once useless and now useful. And I can say that, yes, I was useless. So when a useless person such as myself finally gets saved. I, I have to, in my own mind, have to keep in mind, people are not going to jump on board right away. People are not going to slap you on the back, but it's OK. OK. Because as long as you met the one who is salvation, who can change your nature, who can redeem every aspect of your life, nothing else matters. And it didn't. The love that God showed me, none of that mattered. I kept digging in, leaning in, running after the one that first touched me, the one that came and changed me and gave me the peace that I wanted. Nothing else mattered. And eventually people's hearts changed. People's hearts came around because why? If the person is a, a tree of salvation, then he's going to bear fruit. That that connotes, or that says, yes, this guy is saved, and so people had to see the fruit. So I'd imagine as Paul is pouring into Onesimus, this runaway slave, and he's pouring into him, he's pouring into him, he's pouring all that he is, and I love what Paul says. Paul says here, he says, "I'm sending him back to you," and he says. I'm sending him and he is the equivalent of my heart being sent to you. So Paul says, I have poured all that I am into him. And, I'm, and he carries my heart. He carries this renewed, this changed heart that God has given me. I've now given him through discipleship, through this relationship. And now I'm sending him. So he, he walks in the same mandate that I do. And I'm sending him to you. And it's so, and I can imagine for Onesimus, he's like, Oh man, okay. I kind of wronged my master by running away and maybe I wasn't a good slave and, and, and all these other things. And, and some of us have done that to others. We haven't been really good to others in our times past before we were saved. And now we were saved and now we're having to confront these people along this process of salvation. But the beauty of it is, is God wants to bring redemption in your life. God wants to redeem everything in your life, so that the, that you can continue as the redeemed to continue to shout, to continue to sing the song of redemption, to continue to proclaim how good He is, how He 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 did something, or He allowed me to cross somebody's path. I remember a person that I had a chance to meet, love her journey. And her journey was this, that she shared that as she got saved, God had her go back and apologize to the pe- people that she'd done things with. And I said, like, wow, that is radical. And it took so much um, humility because if she was prideful, that wouldn't have happened. So to go back and to say, hey, you know what? Those things that you and I did, I am so sorry. I did not represent Jesus right. And I I just honored her. I just was like, I was floored when I heard it. But I I knew God was redeeming her life, redeeming her self-esteem, redeeming her dignity, removing shame. And he says, where you've had shame, I will give you double the fame. Well, how does he do it? He redeems that aspect of your life. And now that cloud or that shadow of shame that just puts this 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 spot on your life is now removed, because now that which seems so ugly is now beautiful because the one has come in and changed it, and so this is what Jesus did through using Paul for Onesimus, and now Philemon, who has been saved, who is the slave owner, who is a wealthy, affluent person, who's now thriving, and the Bible speaks of him having a house church. In uh, verse two, it talks about how Paul greeted his wife and another fellow soldier. And he says, I greet those that are part of your church that's meeting in your house. And it's so beautiful because now this guy, this slave owner that may not have been a great slave owner, he might've been uppity, He might've been really mean to his slaves. You don't know. We don't know. We We know everybody has a background. Everybody has a past, but everybody deserves to be forgiven. And deserves to be received as a fellow uh saint in, in 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 the in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Yeah. We all deserve a second chance. And so Philemon is now holding church services in his home, and God is really using him. He the fruit uh of, of, of salvation is really shown in his life, and he is really built a rapport with his with his, with his fellow constituents, with his, his community. People see him in such a way. And Paul is hearing all about this from in, in prison. He's hearing the reports. He's getting reports about this guy. And now Philemon is faced with something, just as Onesimus is faced with something, the reuniting of two people that were in times past before Jesus, not on good terms. One was a slave owner, one was a slave, one was a slave, and their relationship was, you know, not really that good, you know? And so now, because I don't know any slaves that are being treated good that would leave. So I'm, I'm really believing that Miss didn't want this type of life. He wasn't being treated good, and he didn't like being a slave. But here it is, God is so beautiful because the Lord takes you back to places to fix things to redeem it and 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 now that Philemon is now in his house church and it's thriving and Paul I believe is at as towards the end of his road 10 towards the end of this fight he's been fighting and he says now this guy who was useless is now useful he's living up to the name that he was given and not only is he useful He's a joint heir with Christ He's a son of God. He is a seed that I'm going to sow back into your ministry, Philemon. And so you that have found Jesus and are walking this out and you're running for him, you are a seed to be sown into, into ministry, into the kingdom, into, into cities, into the nations and, and watch this tree. And I love this. The Bible, Jesus talked about this parable of the mustard seed, he said it's the smallest seed, but it grows to be the biggest tree. And it grows so big that even for the birds to lodge in it. And I believe that some of you, you may not, you may not be that big tree yet, but that's your destiny, that you are going to give shade and lodging to others. That the type of tree that God is growing you to be. You may have been a small thing. You may have been not so great. Your reputation may not have been good when you finally found Christ, but it's okay because now God is going to take this small thing and turn it into a big thing. He says, that's why it says in the Bible, despise not the day of small things or humble beginnings. You know, don't despise that because those humble beginnings turn into something great. He said that which remains humble, Low, he will make it high as the mountain. And that which is high as the mountain, he'll make low as the valley. So when we come to Christ, we come in this humble beginning. We're coming to surrender all that we are. And as a byproduct of walking with him, he redeems our life in every aspect. And that which is low begins to be lifted up. And now here is Paul late in his life, validating somebody who didn't look so good to others. Isn't it beautiful that Paul gets to do what was done to him. Paul had a bad reputation of killing folks, conspiring to kill folks all because he thought they were against the God that he was serving, but he didn't have the full revelation. He he was in legalism. He didn't have the breath of God breathing revelation on those scriptures. And that's where he met. He met the one who is eternal crossed his path, changed his life. But now people remember this reputation he had. But here comes Barnabas. Barnabas comes along and he's this mentor that walks with him, walks with him, validates him. Now Paul is walking this out. Paul is now doing what Barnabas did for him. Some of you are going to do for others what Jesus did for you. You're going to disciple others. You're going to Be the one that gives somebody a second chance that society or that your community says doesn't deserve a second chance. You remember who he used to be? There are always going to be the religious folk that tell the one Mary who is breaking the the, the alabaster bottle at Jesus's feet. If Jesus was a true prophet, he would have known what kind of woman she was. Jesus knew. But Jesus said, I came to save the sick. I didn't come for those that are well. And the beauty of it is, as religious as they were, they did not understand the one whom they've been waiting for was sitting right there with them. But this woman who was sinful, according to them, knew he was the one. I tell you, my friends, be careful how we restore one another, how we see one another. Because the Bible says, unless you endanger yourself and you fall prey to the same thing. Does that need to happen for you to have compassion? You that have been shown mercy, you that have been given compassion. Now you are on the other end and have to show somebody that maybe have offended you. Maybe somebody has hurt you in your past and now you have to accept them as a fellow brother a fellow joint heir in Christ. And you're like, Jesus, how can he save him? How can he save her? And then Jesus is saying, they can say that about you. How could I save you? did I not save you? Did I not? Is not salvation for everybody? Yes, it really is. But I believe if you yield and allow God to do what he needs to do, he can take something so ugly, so horrible and make it beautiful. I love the scripture that was given to me in Ecclesiastes 3.11. God makes things beautiful in his time. He really does. And I believe he does it through the process of redeeming it, the process of walking with him daily and allowing him and us yielding to him and allowing him to redeem it. And if we do, God will do that. I love this. What Paul says, and I'm going to land this plane and bring it to a close. I love what Paul says to him in verse 21 about Philemon. He says, I write to you and I have perfect confidence of your obedience and compliance since I know that you will do more than it is asked. Paul saying, what I'm pleading for, what I'm asking you for is to receive this guy Onesimus, who was your slave, who is now my son in the faith, to receive him not just as a slave, but to receive him as a fellow brother, a joint heir, a fellow citizen in Christ. And now let him serve in the ministry that you have built in this community. And Paul says, I've heard of your reputation and I know I am confident that you will move in love, that you will look at him and say, "Hey, I forgive you. I choose forgiveness. I choose to to exonerate you." And I love Paul. Paul says this. He says, "Look, if that guy has done anything against you, let it be on me that he would go free and truly get the second chance he needs." There are a lot of people out there that need a second chance. God gave me a second chance and I'm so grateful. God wants to give you a second chance. And if you're willing, he can allow that which seems so ugly to bring so much glory out of it, full of grace and truth. I love you. Thank you for your time. I'm I want to say a prayer for you and I just pray that Lord, that you would touch those that have heard this story, that they would touch, be touched by the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would be touched and moved by this story that was said, this story of redemption, this story of mercy, this story of just grace being extended, this story of just reconciliation. Father, I thank you that you are the one that just redeems us fully and completely, and we will continue to sing and praise your name. I love the scripture that says, let the redeem of the Lord say so. And I believe the redeem of the Lord can continue to shout. They can continue to proclaim and praise your wonderful name because you are allowing this redemption, the one who is redemption to continue to be manifested and unfolding in every aspect of our life that the finished walk of the cross would be evident. Father, I thank you today. And I bless them. I bless their homes. I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I pray that you would prosper in in all their ways. I pray that they would say yes to you, Lord, that they would turn their hearts to you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I just wanna encourage you, if you guys have any testimonies or just wanna share your heart, and just in response to what the what the podcast is saying, you can reach me at RadiantPrayerHouse17. That's all lower caps with the numbers all together at gmail.com. That's RadiantPrayerHouse17 at gmail.com. May the Lord bless you. Until next time, let the word be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And let, it, let you hide it in your heart that you may not sin against him. Bless you.